From the shores of the Colorado River on the beautiful Parker Strip, you're listening to the Parker Livecast. Kyle O'Donnell, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm tired because I've been busy, but I'm well. <laughs> you have been very busy. Tell me what you've been busy with. Uh, so for the last year and a half, since about February last year, I kind of stumbled on this documentary on the heels of doing a completely different documentary um, in Quartzsite. Um, I, I was ending a documentary about the travel lifestyle, the, the nomadic lifestyle that's currently sort of hitting the nation in, a, in a, something of a movement. And as you probably know, this, the uh, town of Quartzsite is a hub for nomads. And so that's right. where I, I was going to wrap. I was going to wrap there. I was on literally my last interview and, <laughs> and I go into the chamber of commerce and there's this four foot 10 little woman, uh, with blue hair and tattoos next to her eyes. And she's, she was, she had this, um, very pensive look on her face throughout the entire interview. So at the end of that interview, I said, Hey, um, thanks for that wonderful interview. Why are you so nervous? <laughs> you know, you're the chamber of <laughs> commerce president. You shouldn't be, uh, you should be happy to talk about all things courtside. And she said, well, I'm, I'm, I was just kept waiting for you to ask about this other thing. And to this day, I'm not sure I should have asked, but I went ahead and asked what other thing. And she launched into another five hours that, that just turned the entire direction of my life around. So, right. Yeah. So, and what, and, and I mean, I guess uh, we don't have five hours right now, but if you were to give me the, you know, the, sort of the 50 second version of what those, what the summary is of those other things, I mean, um, so, I mean, I, I would imagine some of the readers of Parker Live would be aware of some of the, some of the stuff that you would say, but what's your summary? I mean, what, what is the, what is the film that you ended up making? Um, what's it about? So as you probably know, um, the evolution of a film takes takes shape sometimes without the director at all. That's true. <laughs> and that has happened in this film at least three significant times that I can depict um, in, in throughout the lineage of the uh, production stages. Um, so that's a difficult one to answer. However, the late the latest, I'll give you the the Cliff's notes of the latest. So two characters that I already were filming. Um, that already had really incredible and interesting stories have decided to run for sheriff in La Paz County. The backstories are the interesting parts. So Mike Roth, I'll start with him. He has for the last 12 or so years told me he's spent on average every month in court fighting misdemeanors, felonies, everything down to tickets. And he's beaten every single one of them. Uh, per all of the documentation and background checks that I've pulled, that's true, except for one. So he gets charged for things um, criminally and then and then gets off? Yes, for a very long time. And and actually, the most recent one was within weeks ago, a matter of, I think, eight or nine weeks ago. He's got his latest felony dismissed. And of course, he has a narrative for why this is. His narrative would be that he is an activist and they don't like hearing his truth. Mm. The opposition would say, we just don't like hearing him at all. Uh, 
And that's most probably because he's an abrupt individual. He's not an easy man to like. (laughs) Um, In fact, he and I are currently not on speaking terms because uh, I... I could not complete an interview with him because he was too drunk. <laughs> he was, oh, that's interesting. He was too yeah, in- see that this is another thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so Mike um, is an interesting guy. I've known him a long time, uh, not well. I would never claim to know Mike uh, Roth very, very well. Uh, but he is. He does have what you know psychologists would describe as a, a disagreeable personality. He, he likes to rabble rouse getting people's face you know that's that's the sort of the spirit of an activist anyway and to some extent doesn't it it is i believe right up his alley yeah he he could be considered (laughs) that he can be considered a conspiracy theorist he could you know he's one of these guys who has somewhere you just know somewhere on his property he's got buried gold right he's got a, a shelf full of canned tuna you know you know, the guy checking his window when someone drives up into his driveway. However, he actually has a legitimate reason to do that. You know, he's Mm -hmm. been targeted, he's been harassed. And this is what moves us to the other candidate because the person, the officer, then the sergeant who he says targeted him along with the other individuals in the, in the police department in Quartzite is now running against him. And this man is also campaigning against corruption. But here's the catch. So that officer has gone on to become the chief of the Quartzite Police Department. And during the time that Roth is talking about, he says that the then chief, Jeff Gilbert, is the one who ordered his officers to make those kinds of arrests and target those people. So he knows that corruption from the law enforcement side. And he led his men, 80% of the Quartzite Police Department, in mutinying against the chief and eventually getting him out of there. So both of them have very legitimate bases for doing what they're doing and campaigning on the on the trail that they're that they're currently on so it's a very interesting evolution of circumstances and both of them have been filmed thoroughly throughout the last year and a half and in fact the latest leg of that i am going down to quartzite tomorrow to spend i don't know a week or so on the inside you know um, inside the police department, inside chief's house, inside the, his office, uh, on the road with him, all, all, all that stuff. One of, one of the things that I know about Quartzsite is that this goes back a long way. Um, you know, when I'm, I, I've been covering Quartzsite a long time and, and I think back in, it's got to have been 2011, uh, I was hearing all of the, uh, you know, all, all of the same kinds of beats and all of the same kind kinds of stuff about local corruption and a corrupt police chief and this uh, this and that and the the tornado got so uh disruptive or the to- or or I, I guess so uh, so chaotic that I couldn't keep track of all the objects and where they were and ended up sort of not being able to tell a coherent narrative have you have you licked that problem to a certain extent? I mean, have you do you think you've got a fairly good idea of what the story is, why it's happening, who are the heroes and villains, and that kind of thing? Because I could never figure it out. Uh, I think that I think that I came in at just the right time 
because I know exactly, I, I believe I was at that stage at, at the early part of my, my time there. However, mm-hmm. what I think you and a lot of reporters and a, just a ton of people I've interviewed did not have the benefit of having was a, a completed end to a lot of the things, a lot of the stuff that was happening throughout that time anyway. A lot of them just weren't right, complete. Right. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, there have been two two instances where someone has, just before they died, admitted something that turned this story, uh, turned a, oh, a that's stone crazy. over. Yeah. And so there's that. There's people that were holding on to stuff. There's, there's you know, mayors have run through their succession and, you know, been ousted or, you know, the change up has revealed other things or, you know, certain people got out of power that were holding records that, that were not going to be uh, given out and then they were given out. So like, you know, a lot of things were getting in the way and I I do actually think that I have pinned it down. Um, Well, that's great. That's great. And I I don't know how much you want to say here or how much you want to wait, make people wait to watch your film, uh, uh, which will have some of my footage in it, I think. Right. Yeah. You were, you were pivotal actually in uh, some of the interviews tying that into your, your last question, uh, put me on the lead of a lot of the things that that answered those bigger questions. And I mean, some of that earlier footage is kind of interesting because it's got. I mean, I remember that that big march on on town hall. Yes. Uh, yeah. In the middle of the summer, by the way, it was like 120 degrees. But that's like that's the kind of example. You know, th- things about like quartzite ending up on the front page of the USA Today. I mean. It sounds like it's a small town that who cares, but it's it's very interesting in a lot of ways and it does suck you in. Well, a lot of the questions that that led up to that, that certainly had roots and other things that were related to that and all these rabbit holes that you're more than aware aware of. And a lot of people that are listening are probably going to be aware of as well. You can't fit all that stuff into a doc. I'm I'm making a feature. I'm making a four part miniseries. You know, <laughs> right. it's going to be crazy. But what what they can not all but most of them can fit in is a podcast. And so I've actually started creating a podcast as well. And I'm planning on nice. releasing that every week leading up to the the full actual release of the film. And the the gotcha. second second part was just uploaded today. So I've got two episodes out. Um, I'm going to probably delay next week's because it's going to cover chief Ponce. Uh, so I'll release, um, part three, episode three, kind of out of order, out of sync with the other ones and do chief Ponce's as, as episode four, even though he was supposed to be episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's so the backstory. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm kind of aware at this moment that some of our listeners are just going to be lost in the sense that they maybe don't know a whole lot about about courtside or why they need to you know watch or listen to a narrative from there um what would you say to sort of draw people in in the sense that like what makes it interesting to you and why were you so drawn to the story and what what do you think are the big themes there that got you kind of so hooked because i know you said that you went there sort of cha- it, your life kind of changing around it a little bit uh, what ends what ends up hooking you to the courtside story? Great question. I'm going to have to answer that in two parts because <laughs> um, just like everything else that it either gets stuck in courtside and can't get out or <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the first thing is the most recent evolution and nobody could have really um, 
I don't know, nobody could have ever thought that 2020 was going to end up the way it has. But one of the pivotal moments in our history is unfolding right now. And we're finding ourselves just awash in a flurry of headlines from police brutality to the overuse of authority to systemic corruption. And the thing about what's happening is that we're, we're seeing the onset. You know, it's been happening since the 50s, right? The 40s, whatever. But we're seeing it blow up now in a, in a very localized and socially almost commercial way. But mm-hmm. that's been happening in Quartzsite for decades. And this is the interesting part because Quartzsite creates a something of a, a microscope, right? It offers a microcosm in, in the entire life cycle of that story has already played out in Quartzsite. It's not completely over. There are still rumblings, but mm-hmm. we get to see Quartzsite's example for the nation that, that has the beginning, the middle, and the end for what is happening nationally. And I'm just going to go ahead and give you a spoiler uh, it ends exactly as you think it would end. A story would end with an embattled community just going at each other's throats for decades. It ends terribly. You know, the economy could have gone in in tons of different ways. Quartzsite uh, could be a giant hub with commercial buildings and 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 hospitals and you know schools that could have a larger population. Not that they want these things. I'm just saying that with the revenue that they bring in simply by virtue of being parked on a major thoroughfare between LA and Phoenix, Mm -hmm. you would think that they would have better services and they've got the space for it. They've got the, the income for it. (laughs) I mean, um, mean, there's a lot of conspiracy theories that go around in Quartzsite. Right. Well, I mean, if, if you've got a $25 million uh, annual revenue coming in from Herf and nothing is being built except the mayor gets a giant house. Those things aren't really hard to put together. You know, do you, uh, was it obvious to you that there were, that there were two sides and that one was right? Or do you still not kind of think that there were two sides and one was right? So that, that really actually taps into the second episode. Um, That that's actually a problem. So, so, it used to be we could argue the issues, right? And you could just mm-hmm. you just kind of make your case and hope people get on board. But with social media and fear mongering and fake news, now we have a situation where you don't have to argue the issue. You just have to argue the opponent is an enemy of the state. And then everybody jumps on board with your issue. Right. So, you know, the other the other kind of tactical thing that was used here was that division. Let's get everybody against this person. And it doesn't matter what they have to say. And so my, I guess my ultimate answer is there's tons of right and wrong. I don't think anybody was completely innocent in this thing. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody was completely wrong either. Um, so you're more taking the, taking the tack of, I can see why these people would have had these, would have had these feelings and, and done these things, but they, but that doesn't mean that they have the ultimate uh, monopoly on being right or having the truth here. There was an interviewee that I spoke with probably this time last year. Her name is Jenny Mills and she didn't have a a big role to play in this, but she, she gave me a lot of really just amazing quotes. And one of them was they were all in each other's pockets. That's (laughs) verbatim. And it's Uh every single time I listen to anything else. There's only, there's only one person that I can truly say, based on the statements of a lot of people that was outside of that. 
statement, and that's Ed Foster. Ed Foster refused to even take a cup of coffee from anyone. Everybody else in this story was doing something with a specific agenda uh, for another person immediate to them. And um, so, so I, I mean, I, I I got to know some of these characters in Quartzsite, and ultimately, I saw them as characters in a, in the sense of this was a you know, kind of a melodrama in some ways. Mm-hmm. And these characters were interesting to me. I didn't ever feel compelled to take sides because I felt like to some extent the whole thing was kind of crazy. And I'm sure you said you, you have at least a, a, a bit of that sense in you too, that, you know, every, the entire melodrama is it's, it's insane. I mean, it's something that you would, read about and not believe. But, you know, so Ed Foster, you mentioned Ed Foster, who was the mayor there uh, for several years. Um, is Ed Foster around there? He is. Uh, yeah. And within 24 hours of announcing just the first, you know, just the website, the website, legallyinsanefilms.com is where I'm hosting everything right now. Just within 24 hours of announcing that on, on just one of the Facebook pages that kind of you know spread around the the rumors of of quartzite i was already getting threats of lawsuits from people that are actually (laughs) attached to the council they're not direct threats but they were like hey um you don't have my permission to do this anymore (laughs) you know and uh Mm. so uh it, it it's already sort of um apparent to me that you know when julie lebenz who was foster's attorney in a successful case against the town that refused to seat him as mayor. Um, I remember that she said, yeah, it was a, it was a big one. It was a landmark case. She basically pinned down the notion that these, these people just think they're right. It doesn't matter if it's an opinion or not. They don't, they don't have the ability to look beyond that wall of opinion and say, Oh, it's fact. They just, they, they get behind this opinion that they have They'll take it all the way up to federal court as proof of that uh, lack of, of foresight. Um, and yeah, they'll wrap you right up in it. And she was precisely on on schedule with that statement th- this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Wow. But yeah, it's um, such, yeah it's such, there's, there's such a lot, a lot to it. Um, but yeah, I found Ed a really interesting guy. Um, he's smart he used to be an engineer i think for wrigley's gum or something like that yeah found found himself in in um quartzite uh a little rough around the edges you know mm-hmm. uh the naked mayor I, yep yeah a lot of, well a lot of these characters you know they they are there's there's a reason why if you feel at home in quartzite that you feel at home in quartzite you know it's a it's in the middle of the desert it's it can be dusty most of the homes have wheels right Right, so this is a very different kind of place than some people who ended up there came from i mean i i remember meeting i can't remember who who it was now but one of the ladies i mean her she her ex-husband was a a disney executive or something like that you know so so people but you have to have a little it's almost like i say about i say jokingly about my friends who are drummers in bands you know you have to have a screw loose to want to hit things for a living um <laughs> you know i think you have to have a little bit of a screw loose to be in quartzite and a lot of people in quartzite uh will totally a- a cop to that 
So the question becomes, you know, to what extent can all of this craziness be attributed to that? Well, the history ties into that as well, because the history of the town has just categorically attracted that type of person throughout the entire history. I mean, from all the way back from Haji Ali, the camel trainer to, uh, there was a B movie star that is buried in town. I don't remember the name, but yeah, you're right. There (laughs) was, um, I mean, these, these characters just sort of come out of the molding and even the characters Mm -hmm. now they, they, they bring such life to the story. Like, uh, Jennifer, everybody's got nicknames too, like Jade Jones. She's Mm -hmm. a, a dog groomer who writes songs for Donald Trump. Uh, I didn't know she wrote songs for Donald Trump. It's yeah. funny because she, at the time, she was uh, frequently called a dog groomer and newspaper publisher. <laughs> yes, yes. There, there's a naked bookstore owner yeah. there. There's, right. uh, I mean, even the even who died, the, who passed, who passed away. He sadly. did. He did. Yeah, he did. He was a he was a really neat guy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, even the current mayor, though he he owns like he is an impersonator of that B movie star. And he owns a, a restaurant in an RV park. I mean, uh, yeah. you can't really make these characters up. I think, in fact, Jennifer Jones said something like, "If you put, if you put Hollywood scriptwriters in a room and fed them acid, they still wouldn't be able to come up with this story." That's a great line. Yeah, I think you. I mean, so I think actually, Kyle, you could take the same kinds of contributing factors, uh, the same kinds of political dynamics and the same kinds of, you know, small town issues and things like that and have them present in a completely different small town that didn't have all these, you know, interesting, colorful characters. And you might not even have a story, but the fact that these characters are there and they're, they're the ones running against each other for counsel and for this and for that and being hired for this job and that job and, you know, ending up being in positions of power in some way or, or, or right. fashion or being on the other side of that power dynamic and being a local resident who's you know not not about to take any shit this is a recipe for quartzite it is and it's not it's not just that these people are attracted to quartzite within that statement there's also another statement that says nobody is from quartzite they're all arguing that some outsider has come in and trampled Mm -hmm. on their territory when like in fact they are all outsiders nobody there's like there's like seven original families in quartzite and outside of that i think it's oldham bird cloud uh the scots uh of just a couple others but these these amount to maybe 10 total people that live there. Everybody else is from outside and they, they all claim that quartzite is their, 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 their birthright, their union to the soil. You know, it's like very interesting how, um, loyal and dedicated they are to quartzite, which I, I totally buy. I mean, just the fact that, you know, this place is not duplicable. You cannot find another quartzite anywhere. And in that way, I'd fight for that too. I don't know that I'd fight for it on quartzite's grounds, but it, it's principally something I'd be proud of as well. And so that part of the story not only comes into play in the viciousness um, with which people actually em- em- employed um, or, or garnered steam for their actions against each other, uh, but it also formed the basis for the extent and scope to which those particular arguments uh, were allowed to go. And and those things were tolerated there too. That's the other part. They were tolerated because they were supported by half the town. 
You know, mm. half the town wanted Chief Gilbert to send out his men and falsely arrest people. And the other half were like, yeah, you can't do that here. This is America and we're libertarians right. because the libertarians are attracted to courtside, you know? Right. So. Right. I know. That's so, that's so interesting. You know, you mentioned um, Oldham and Bird, And of course they were interesting people right at the start when courtside first became I guess incorporated as a town and uh, Oldham had become the town's first mayor. Hmm. Uh, there's a very interesting story that some people will remember where one tried to get the other killed. Yeah, I ha I was fortunate enough to hunt down the attorneys that prosecuted and defended that case. Um, I was fortunate enough to... Um, uh, basically, I found everybody except Oldham and Bird because Bird's dead and <laughs> Oldham refuses to sign a release. So <laughs> yeah, Oldham Oldham won't talk, or or at least I, he spent time with me, but that was because we were talking about things other than that. I don't think he wants to talk about Bird and and that whole thing. Did he talk to you about the about that incident? He he topically did a brush over intro of it, uh, which was basically that he. Um, you know, he, he says what's in the news. You know, he says, I was, I had a contract taken out on my life and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm, he says he's writing a book that he's planning on making millions on. And I'm not sure when he's planning on making these millions, but he might want to release the book pretty soon because the man is in his 80s. Right. Uh, and the story is not really a bell ringer in, in today's infrastructure. It is when you put it in the context of Quartzite. Right. Um, but that's, that's actually part of the film. That so I've he done. wants to write a book about that incident, about like being targeted for assassination. I, th I think it's inclusive of the topics, okay. that book. So that book is also going to go into, I think he was a pilot. He, he, you know, uh, yes, he's he, got his own broader narrative that he wants to talk about. And he is a colorful, interesting guy. I mean, a guy that owns, um, real estate. Yes, uh, he's, a, he's a mogul there. Yep. Um, who collects old cars and sells them, like classic cars. Uh, who has a junkyard that's massive and has a lot of stuff in it. Who owns an airstrip. Right. Who uh, collects asteroids or meteors or whatever. That I, I didn't know. Yeah, he's <laughs> asking him about his meteors. No, but that's an interest. So there's an interesting guy right there. And I found him extremely likable. I mean, I, you know, I rolled around with him in Quartzsite in a classic car one time. He took me out to an old mine um, and showed me. I mean, just a really, I thought, a really interesting, likable guy. Yeah, I would but, love to have access uh, to, to, to Richard. He, he strikes me as someone who's just absolutely somebody, like a perfect character, like probably mm -hmm. even a missing puzzle piece, really, when yeah. it gets down to it. But uh, he absolutely refuses to have anything to do do with my questions uh so i, I don't think i'm gonna get that puzzle piece unfortunately mm. well i mean plenty of other people are willing to talk about him so it's one of those things where you know you can either tell your own story or let other people yeah uh, talk about you that's that's actually the shame of why he won't talk to me because there's not too many people that are huge oldham fans in town even people that are his old friends old old friends uh, just, they turned on him. It, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would say turned on him. I can't speak for anybody else, but what I can say is when they, when they give me the average of who they think he is, it, it doesn't turn out well. Um, mm. and so the, the, 
the narrative that's sort of formed in the film is, you know, I got I, as a documentarian, you know what I'm talking about. You got to go with what you have. There's no, I mean, you can't just like sit in front of a camera and talk about your opinion. That's, that's a YouTube update. That's not a, that's not a documentary. So, right. uh, going with what I have, I'd love to have those things cleared up or at least discussed with the man. But, um, I'd love to have that backstory on that from him, but that's what I've got so far. They are full of stories like this. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no shortage of uh, evening uh, word around the campfire type. Right. <laughs> you know, let's grab a beer and just. And also, I don't really know. I mean, I, I never came to any solid conclusions and never wanted to portray anything as heroes and villains necessarily. But it seems like you're very willing in your, at least the early material that I've seen of your film and, and uh, other stuff, you're very willing to sort of call people out. Are you trying to be to be impartial and objective or are you trying to take take a side on, in courtside? Well, there's it, it. This kind of harkens back to that statement that I just made about Oldham. I I want to tell that man's story. <laughs> I want to mm -hmm. desperately, but the only story I can tell is what people are telling me, and I don't know that that's not true. So, it, right. What what I'm ultimately doing is putting my own, you know, as every filmmaker does. I mean, you know, they say a film is written or made three times, right? It's first when you write it, second is when you shoot it, and the third is when you edit it. Mm -hmm. And each each one of those iterations has its own sort of theme. And by the time it comes into the editing bay, you see your own artistic approach to that. So soundtrack right. comes into play and and various other things. But as a documentarian, you know, we reserve ourselves the the personal touches of, say, uh, opinion swaying. Right. Mm -hmm. If I've got that material, I'm going with that material. And this actually was one of the reasons that I was contacted uh, recently when I when I put that put the notification out on uh, on Facebook. Um, <laughs> wonder if I should say this before we meet, uh, but uh, <laughs> an individual was upset at the the teaser, and so I said she put out like a trailer or something like I that. I did, uh, yeah. It's a six minute trailer that that I announced. It's it's at the it's at the legallyinsaneFilms.com main page if anybody wants to see that but uh and and so for the conversation this person contacted me and said you know th they were like wow how could you how could you say this and i what, what are you talking about i didn't say anything <laughs> everybody is saying this these things about you and they were they were kind of upset that I, I hadn't given them a fair shot and i was like okay well in fairness, okay, for like three months straight, I was calling you, texting you, trying to get an interview with you, and it never happened. So, you know, how is it that I can put footage in my film that I don't have that you didn't allow me to get? And I, I really, really like this person. I support this person. I want this person's story told, just like Oldham. You know, I had that mm -hmm. same opinion of Oldham, and unfortunately, he does not come out very well in the film. I'm just going to spoiler alert that one. Right. Um, and, and I want to, I want to tell these stories. I want the backstories. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so what you're saying is you're, you're trying to be fair, uh, but you can only be as fair as people are willing to let you be as far as they're going to cooperate. Right. And as, as a journalist, your job is essentially to represent people's statements in, in, in light of the facts. Mm -hmm. So as, as a writer, say a reporter, 
he would he would take the key quotes as a as a as a video you know a news reporter you you would interview and you'd take the highlights asking pointed questions just the facts ma'am sort of thing but as a filmmaker obviously you gotta you gotta do as much entertaining as you do informing Uh, and so it takes on a different kind of a beast mode (laughs) when when you when you turn this this what was basically a giant news story from 30 years of craziness into you know an hour and a half hour 45 minute feature so how do you do that so you gotta you gotta balance all those factors it's fascinating well i mean no matter what you think uh, of the the opinions or um politics you can't help but admire passion and uh you know in, in a lot of ways the people in courtside are very passionate about a their town um, and B, the ideas that are running it or behind it or the, the ideas that are the people around them have. Um, talk real quick um, before you go about the funding for the film. I know uh, you've sort of, you, like a lot of pro- these kinds of projects, they have multiple different streams and sources. So what's going on right. there? So I am really trying to get this thing out. Um as I noted earlier, I, I stumbled onto this story. Well, that other story had a budget of about $40,000 left. And before I found out that all of these different rabbit holes were going to cost a hell of a lot more than $40,000 to, <laughs> to cover, I spent that budget. And I've appealed to uh, donors and business partners and everybody else. You know, I've even gotten uh, wink, wink uh, footage on loan from people. Uh, to help push this thing along. Um, and I'm just out. I am out of options and I'm dying to get this thing released sometime before the November elections. I'd love to have a, a copy of this thing so that, you know, I'm not trying to push the vote in, in any direction. I, I it, it affects so much more than the mm-hmm. people here. You know, it, it, for as a documentarian, I look at this as look at the change, look at the discussion that I can bring to the table on the state level, on the regional level, but perhaps on the national level, depending on how big this thing gets. And I cannot do that <laughs> if I release this thing next year when, you know, the iron has cooled down uh, significantly, significantly from where, right. where it's at now. So in, in those, in that light, uh, and on that note, um, the website legallyinsanefilms.com. People can go there and donate. Um, I'm trying to get a budget together to have this film represented by an agency. I need some distribution fees and I need to pay post house fees, editing fees. Uh, so all that stuff comes together in marketing and all that other stuff. And so if I don't have that by probably the end of next month, I'm most probably not going to be able to release this story. So it's really crucial that right now the the social relevance of this thing is is really uh, very impactful mm-hmm. and important for the message. I think that if people if people look at this story in any in any state in the union, so to speak, and say, "Wow, look how crazy it gets when we let our pride take the best of us." In, at the end of the day, where were you? You know, where was I? Did I support? Um, other people's opinion? And did I allow other people to talk? Did I allow other people to peacefully protest? Or was I on the other camp? Did mm-hmm. I shut people down? Did I, did I violate their civil rights? Did I, did I perhaps shoot a rubber bullet mm. into a crowd when I shouldn't have, <laughs> you know, 
there's lots of things that are going on right now that are immediately and directly applicable. And I, I just dying to get that message out. So, um, on that website, there's, there's the, the trailer, uh, the teaser, uh, it's also got some information about the story itself. And then of course the first podcast is all the way at the bottom. If you scroll down there. Great. And, and what's the website again? Legallyinsanefilms.com. Legally Insane Films is my production company. So okay. that's the that's the film we're we're releasing right now. Great. Well, Kyler, really appreciate you um, talking to me and we'll we'll write a little piece up and um, have this on Parker Live before you know it. That sounds awesome, John. I appreciate the talk. Yep, really appreciate it, man. Thanks. All right, cheers. 